section fifteen of the aeroplane in war by claude graham white and harry harper this librivox recording is in the public domain value of the aeroplane in naval warfare one machines for coastal and high seas work question of flying in winds the work of the aeroplane when cooperating with land forces is all-important as has been shown and another field just as useful lies in the utilization of air scouts in naval warfare the possibilities of the aeroplane in this direction are however only just being realized to the credit of france goes the first definite steps at toulon the french naval authorities are keenly alive to the value of aerial scouting over the sea plans have been made for dispatching aeroplanes from the decks of cruisers and reconnoitring flights from the land over the sea are now being undertaken during the present year france will spend forty thousand pounds upon naval aviation quite apart from her disbursement in other respects germany is training naval airmen and experimenting with aeroplanes for use at sea austria has established an experimental station in england since lieutenant now commander sampson rose from the deck of a warship at sheerness the admiralty is credited with an ambitious programme in america highly practical work has been done in the way of building aircraft to rise from the water and in france the voisins have built a machine that lifts itself from the surface of the seine farman too is building successful hydro aeroplanes from the point of view of their work in naval warfare a very important future lies before the aeroplane so far as can be judged at the present time it is possible to divide naval aeroplanes into two categories one coastal aeroplanes and two aeroplanes for use on the high seas the former should be stationed at harbors and other seacoast points of strategic importance the latter would be carried to sea with a fleet and sent up when desired from the deck of a ship the coastal aeroplane would be invaluable in locating the approach of some attacking fleet a machine would be sent up from a harbor and flying high and at a great pace would be able to scour a wide area of water in a surprisingly short space of time upon sighting an enemy's fleet the air scout would be able to gauge its strength and then dash back to its headquarters at astonishing speed a fast-flying monoplane acting as an observing craft would be able to perform the work which would otherwise need the services of several cruisers or a number of torpedo boat destroyers as regards the aeroplane for work on the high seas this should operate in conjunction with a specially built fast steamer or an auxiliary cruiser such a vessel with one or more aeroplanes on board would accompany a fleet when an air scout was wanted it would be brought on deck and assembled and would then be launched into the air from a special platform on the vessel's deck after making a reconnoitering flight the machine would return to the parent ship and alight upon the deck by means of such air scouts the position of an enemy's fleet could first be detected and then a careful watch 
kept upon its subsequent movements the results gleaned would be more trustworthy than those obtained from the lookout of a warship and the field of vision would also be infinitely wider what would be of great importance of course in connection with such aerial observations would be for the pilot of the machine to report what he saw by means of wireless telegraphy there is no reason why this should not be done a well-organized service of naval aeroplanes fitted with long-distance wireless should indeed prove of vital importance the point has been made by critics of the aeroplane for naval use that the high winds often encountered at sea would limit the uses of aircraft but in reply to that experienced airmen point out that although winds at sea are high they are also steady far steadier in fact than those which blow over the land and are broken up into eddies by passing over uneven ground a thirty mile an hour wind over the land represents to-day quite as much as an airman would care to contend against in the ordinary way but it should be possible with a high-speed monoplane of existing type to carry out reconnoitring work over the sea in a wind blowing at the rate of forty miles an hour the even force of the sea wind would make all the difference it may be anticipated also that this wind-flying capacity of the aeroplane for work at sea will rise from say forty to fifty miles an hour as the speed of machines is increased there is indeed every chance that a naval aeroplane will be able to give a good account of itself even under adverse weather conditions two interesting tests machines for rising from water and landing on a ship's deck in america a number of interesting tests have been made with aeroplanes for naval use it was in this country that mr eugene eli a skilled airman who has since unfortunately met with his death first demonstrated the practicability of alighting upon and rising from the deck of a battleship at the time the test was made the american cruiser pennsylvania was lying above twelve miles of san francisco for the purpose of the experiment a wooden platform was erected at the cruiser's stern upon which the airman expressed his intention of descending eli flying a curtis biplane left the shore in a slight mist being guided as he approached his destination by the siren blasts of the pennsylvania when sighted by those on the cruiser he was flying low quite close to the surface of the water the airman steered past the pennsylvania's bow then he rose a little and made a half circle in the air smoothly approaching the vessel's stern he stopped his engine and settled with absolute precision upon the platform after a short rest eli added to the practical interest of his performance by rising from the cruiser's deck and flying back to his starting point a field on the outskirts of san francisco american naval men were naturally impressed by this performance and also by a series of experiments which were carried out by mr glenn h curtis the builder of the biplane which bears his name mr curtis designed a biplane which would float upon the water on pontoons and also rise from the surface of the water when it moved forward at a certain speed 
considerable ingenuity was exercised in the construction of this machine the pontoons upon which it was mounted and which took the place of ordinary land wheels were hollow boxes with pointed ends made out of wood and sheathed with thin steel a large pontoon under the centre of the biplane bore the greater part of the weight and a smaller pontoon was set under the front of the machine while a third pontoon smaller still was placed at the extreme forward end of the aeroplane to tilt it upward when it began to move across the water first tests with this machine were entirely successful when forced forward by its propeller at a speed of thirty miles an hour the hydro-aeroplane skimmed along with only its main pontoon on the water then at a slight acceleration it rose easily into the air and flew off descents upon the surface of the water were made with equal facility after satisfying himself that his machine answered expectations curtis carried out an instructive test in conjunction with an american battleship flying from a point on shore he made a successful descent upon the water close beside the vessel then his machine was hoisted on board by means of special tackle to complete the test the biplane was subsequently lowered into the water again and curtis rose without difficulty flying back to the shore the objection to such a scheme as this of course would lie in the probable roughness of the sea under many conditions of work were a high sea running it is generally admitted that an aeroplane could not possibly rise from or land upon the surface of the water therefore the sound plan at any rate on the high seas would seem to be for an air scout to be launched from the deck of a ship an aeroplane on pontoons should however find many uses for coastal work it could for example be housed in a shed on the water it could then leave harbour on a reconnoitring flight and return again when alighting to the smooth water inside the harbour an involuntary descent when over the water would not cause it injury apart from the work which it could perform as a scout using wireless telegraphy to flash back its news to a parent ship there are also the destructive possibilities of a naval aeroplane to be considered in this regard however many experts do not consider that the potentialities of a naval aircraft would be so important as those of a machine operating with land forces an attack upon a warship by aeroplane would not it is held do much damage to the sea craft the contention being that the aeroplane would not be able to carry bombs sufficiently powerful to effect any appreciable damage another point made is that it would be exceedingly difficult for an aeroplanist to make good practice with his bombs from the height at which he would have to fly in order to be comparatively safe from gunfire and also in view of the fact that both he and his target would be moving in this connection however there is much to be learned it is not known as yet how powerful a bomb may be devised for the use of a destructive aeroplane and from the point of view of marksmanship with such missiles types of releasing apparatus are now being devised which may ensure greater accuracy of aim than is at present considered possible a use for the naval aeroplane would be to cooperate with warships in attack upon land defences 
a number of machines could be launched from the deck of the parent ship and fly over docks and harbors dropping incendiary and explosive bombs and effecting considerable damage another effective field for the use of naval aeroplanes should be in detecting the approach of submarines but in this regard more data is certainly required primarily for scouting both from the land and from a ship at sea and also as a weapon of offence if used in sufficient numbers the aeroplane merits the careful attention of all naval authorities in england at the time of writing very little has been done a few naval officers have had an opportunity of learning to fly owing to private generosity and unimportant experiments have been made a very large sum of money has however been expended by the admiralty upon a huge dirigible balloon five hundred feet long which after undergoing a tedious period of construction and alteration at barrow met with the untimely end of being wrecked by wind gusts before it ever taken the air in january however it was stated more or less officially that the admiralty intended to devote serious attention during nineteen twelve to the question of naval airmanship but beyond arranging for another party of officers to learn to fly at east church isle of sheppey nothing definite has at the time of writing been done save that it is understood that the admiralty has committed itself to the construction of a smaller rigid type airship for naval work beyond doubt the powerful high-speed aeroplane capable of making progress against very strong winds and sufficiently portable to be carried in appreciable numbers upon a specially designed parent ship is the ideal with another type of aircraft larger and with a greater radius of action to act as a scout from land defences note since the above was written our naval authorities have decided to train forty airmen and to purchase a dozen experimental machines including hydro airplanes of various makes End of fifteenth section